We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to have you with us today on the program, on the show. Our website is a a great way for you to keep up with our work here at American Family Radio. AFR.net is that website. Very easy to remember. AFR.net is the URL. We uh, have this mobile application out there on the internet, on your smartphone, on your tablet device that's available for you to download. It's free. We've had it uh, out there and published for well over a decade now, and it's a, it's a very convenient way for you, the listening audience, to keep up with American Family Radio, to keep up with the core. So we want to encourage you to download the American Family Radio app on your smartphone and your tablet device and uh, keep up with the show there and what's going on. You know, not only do we provide... Uh, Bible teaching here on the network throughout the day and throughout the night and on the weekend. We also provide uh, apologetic shows, shows focused on apologetics, uh, biblical apologetics. We also provide uh, commentary, uh, 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 commentary and talk shows, uh, just like the one you're listening to now here on The Core. And so we offer a variety, a, a wide variety, uh, getting my words ahead of myself there, uh, we offer a wide variety of content here on American Family Radio. All of it centered on a biblical worldview. All of it centered on God and His Word and how our lives should uh, be carried out. Should be how we should conduct ourselves. Uh, so, when you download the American Family Radio app, when you visit our website afr.net, you have access to all of that content. All of that content uh, that we offer here on American Family Radio. So um, the last thing I'll mention is that you can subscribe to the Core Podcast, the Core Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can uh, search the show name, search the Core, and type this, uh, or click the subscribe button, and then the show will uh, automatically be downloaded into your uh, podcast app. They're on your smartphone. They're on your tablet device. Well, Psalm chapter 25 is where we are this week. Teach me, O Lord, lift up, uh, I'm sorry, verse 1, 25, chapter 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are, uh, are wantlessly treacherous, wantonly treacherous. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Verse 4, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. So verse 5 here, David says, for you are the God of my salvation. So in salvation, salvation is found in God alone. Salvation is not found in any other person, in any other object, in any other being. Salvation is only found through God alone. Uh, Psalm chapter 25, verse 5 there. 
Well, moving into some of our stories today, by the way, we do have a, we are reopening for the next few days. We're reopening our registration, just allowing uh, the folks who waited and missed the window, we're allowing them one more chance to come in the door to register for our annual Marriage Family Life Conference. So this is uh, one thing I wanted to mention today. The um, conference is July 7th through the 9th, and we're allowing registration to be reopened until uh, midnight on May 31st or until 11.59 p.m. Central, to be technical, on May 31st. So a minute before midnight uh, on June 1st, we're going to leave registration open to the wee hours uh, on May 31st. So go ahead and register by going to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. All words put together, marriagefamilylife.net. Click on the register now button. Uh, the costs are $70 per adult and $35 per, per child. And we want families to come. Yes, we want families to come to the conference. That's our goal. That's our encouragement. And that's our challenge. And what a what a fitting focus. What a fitting focus as we talked yesterday about the breakdown of God's design for family and fatherlessness and the evil that is so prevalent in our society. What a more proper thing to do, um, and that is to come together to focus on what God says about marriage, family, and life, and to do that as a family unit. So that's what we're offering for our annual Marriage Family Life Conference. Go ahead and register at marriagefamilylife.net. You can do so up until May 31st. You can register until May 31st. Well, I um, wrote this uh, this column recently. I actually just wrote it this morning, and um, it's not published yet, but it will be in uh, in the coming days on our blog site at afa.net. I actually did publish this on Facebook about an hour ago, so if you want to read it immediately, you can go to AFA at the Core Facebook page. My AFA at the Core Facebook page, you can read this post there and uh, read it in its entirety. But I just want to go through this uh, column that I wrote recently today in response to what's going on in our society, in our culture, in our country. There are three types of stakeholders in American culture, and here's who they are. In a nation with such a rich and prosperous history such as America, one would assume that all influential forces within it would have a shared vision to see her preserved, preserved in a manner that allows for advancements while maintaining fundamental parts of our society that make us who we are. A similar comparison, yet on a much smaller scale, is a business with various stakeholders. In order to be a stakeholder, it is presumed that you want what is best for said company. After all, why would you want to be a part of, why would you want to be a stakeholder in, a, in, in, in place that doesn't have the success of the company at heart? So why would you want to be a stakeholder if you don't have the best interest of the company at heart? America is now a place where there are three types of stakeholder groups, and uh, here they are. The first group, well, they want America to succeed. Well, what is success? 
Well, the success is based on the principles that America was founded on. Principles such as individual liberty, limited government, free market economics, and human flourishing, to name a few. All the principles originate from the Bible. America was founded by Christians. This group may have different ways to reach this objective, but an overall belief is shared. The belief that America has been a force for good in human history and must be preserved so that good can continue to flow from this nation. This group also has a clear understanding that our nation isn't without fault. Whether it is slavery, abortion, divorce, or sexual deviancy, to name a few, our nation has at times turned our back on God and rejected his ways in some of these areas. In this case, we must repent as a nation and correct our wrongdoing. I would, I would confidently say that the majority of these stakeholders that I just described are professing Christians. Well, the second group, here they are. The second group, well, they're just along for the ride. The ride is the story of America wherever it may take them. These folks have a basic understanding of American history, but they are far from patriots. If you were to search the voter rolls, they might be registered or they might not be. If you were to look at church attendance amongst this crowd, they likely show up for Easter and maybe Christmas on a good year. But at no other time do they see the need to sit under the teaching of God's Word. These stakeholders would describe themselves as good people, but when questioned on what good is, they would throw around out they would throw out general terms but fail to credit a divine source for their definition. Well, here's the last group. The last group despises everything about this country. From the free market and prosperous economy to constitutional rights for individuals, they view it all as deeply flawed. This group of stakeholders, the last group, the third group, they want to remake America into this liberal utopia of vegan burgers, abortion on demand, and government-worshipping peasants. Climate change, reproductive rights, and equality are all key words used to justify everything they do. Corporations are bullied into financially subsidizing and rhetorically lauding this crowd. From Pride Month to reimbursing employees that travel across state lines to have their unborn baby killed, corporate America is all in for this dream utopia that will never be such. America has a proven formula that needs to be restored and built upon. We need to bring back limited government, states' rights, and a fear of God. We need to abolish abortion just as we abolish slavery. Biblical marriage must be restored at every level of society. We need to be able to recognize success and preserve it while simultaneously recognizing our faults and altering course to avoid such failure in the future. This type of transformation that I'm describing won't take place, it will not take place without a move of God in our land. No righteous and godly transformative movement has ever happened in this country without his intervention and aid. Will all American stakeholders, the three groups I described above, turn their eyes to God, the God of the Bible, and seek his ways? 
The latter two groups, the fence riders and the despisers, they must recognize that the direction we're headed in is national doom. And the only way to avoid such doom is belief and submission to God. The body of Christ, you and me, we must lead the way. And it starts today. So that's a column I just wrote that will be published in the coming days. Well, we got these three groups. And that's, that's how this, this country has been splintered into groups. And, folks, the, the second group and the latter group, well, they're in charge now. They're in charge of our institutions. They're in charge of our government. They're in charge of our educational institutions, everything. And so what are we going to do as a country? What are we going to do as a country? And this is what happens when you turn your back on God, when you turn your back on God. I wanted to uh, bring up a story that we'll touch on more in the second segment, but, you know, we we just had uh, the Georgia primary. We had other states as well, Alabama, Georgia, and a couple others, but Georgia's primary just took place uh, on Tuesday of this week, and there was record turnout, record turnout, just to give you the numbers, compared to the last midterm election, which was 2018. 2018 saw 1.16 million voters in Georgia vote in the midterms. Well, 2022, how many voters showed up at the ballot box in the midterms? 1.9 million. 1.9 million. So 2018, 1.16. Let's just say 1.2. Four years later, almost 2 million Georgians showed up at the ballot box. Well, let's don't remember, let's don't forget, rather, that Major League Baseball, MLB, they boycotted Georgia because apparently Georgia was instituting Jim Crow laws where minorities can't vote. That was the accusation. Well, 800,000 more Georgians voted. Now, 2022 compared to 2018 prior to the election integrity bill. More on this after the break. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Acts 17.26 conveys to us the reality that we were born and placed in the 21st century by God's specific design. He determined before time where we would live and when we would live there. If you're in Minnesota, Mississippi, or Maine, God put you there on purpose. He's not surprised by the darkness we see around us, nor is he caught off guard by it. In fact, he specifically prepared for it by making sure you're alive right now. God can do whatever he wants, but he's chosen to use you and me as ambassadors of his kingdom. We are his torches to light up the darkness. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Moral licensing is a term researchers use to describe a shocking phenomenon in the study of human morality. This phrase describes how people justify their bad behavior based on the fact that they had good behavior previously. First, Peter reminds us, since it is written, be holy because I am holy. God calls us to a life of holiness. So is it okay to knowingly sin just because we went to church yesterday? Of course not. Does your girl realize that striving for sanctification is an ongoing lifelong process? That we're never licensed to carry out sin even if we're living an otherwise holy life? It's true, humans are inherently sinful beings, but as Christians, we are called to much more. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. You can learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Here are Tim and Riley Wildman for the AFA Foundation. Riley, what is your title? The director of AFA Foundation. One of the best ways you can have income for the rest of your life and know that uh, you will be supporting the ministry of American Family Association is to... To give a gift to American Family Association and American Family Radio. Do you also deal with people who want to leave AFA in their wills? Yes, sir. That's exactly why they call. And that's why we also have another option besides a charitable gift annuity. People sometimes also call and do an outright gift or also leave us in their will. Now, when anyone calls in and asks to talk to you, ladies, will all of them talk in a Southern accent like you do? Yes, they will. Call Riley Wildman at the AFA Foundation, 800-326-4543, extension 345, or visit afafoundation.net. AFA at the Core podcast are available at afr.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome. Back to the core here on American Family Radio. Well, as we closed out the last segment, I was telling you about Georgia's elections just a couple of days ago on Tuesday of this week and how they had a record turnout, record turnout at the ballot box. And just just let's don't forget that last year, the, the media, the Democrats, corporate America, they were all screaming, yelling, pounding their desks, saying that Georgia is racist. Georgia is preventing people from voting. Georgia is suppressing the vote. That was the narrative to such an extent that MLB, Major League Baseball, they took the All-Star game out of Atlanta. Remember, this is a pretty big logistical move. Doesn't doesn't happen lightly or with ease. They took the uh, the All Star game out of Georgia, moved it to another state, moved it out of Atlanta. Why? Because Georgia's mean, and Georgia doesn't want people to vote. That was the narrative. And then you had other corporations, and you had Hollywood saying we're not going to film movies in Georgia, even though they're all back there now. And Atlanta won the World Series, so. Just to bring a little truth to this situation. Well, before I bring some truth to it, and I bring the Washington Post alongside me in sharing the truth, 
Let's listen to this media montage flashback 2021 and how Georgia is a terrible place and they don't want people to vote. Let's listen to this. Very much uh, sort of reminiscent of Jim Crow era tactics that are designed to have a chilling effect. I think you can at least say that it is Jim Crow adjacent. This is a party that does not like um, the browning of America. This is a party that is cheating at the polls. It's voter suppression. It's the new Jim Crow. This is the perfect time for them to use their political leverage to stand up and say, no, we're not going back to the Jim Crow era. The president himself said these feel like Jim Crow laws. What's your take on on whether it is or isn't? I say it is. I mean, mean, I did grow up under Jim Crow laws. (laughs) Oh, it's funny, but it's not. It's funny, but it's not. Because these are the folks that are shaping the narrative. Those are the voices that are in part, not fully, but in part shaping the narrative and the the mindset of Americans. I mean, I mean, let's not let's not forget that there's a large group of Americans that get their information from those sources that you just heard. And so while you and I might uh, you know, say we know better than that. We don't buy into those talking points. We know the truth. We do our research, and that's good. There's a lot of people that that just catch MSNBC as they're walking, you know, getting their coffee and leaving for work in the morning, and they just go, "Wow, these Republican states are terrible. They are racist. They're bigoted. They don't want minorities voting, et cetera, et cetera." When it's all not true. It's all not true. And so that's why we have to continue debunking the lies, and that's what we're doing here on the show. Well, another group that decided to join the party of debunking the lies is the Washington Post editorial board. Listen to this. The Washington Post editorial board admitted Wednesday that high voter turnout in Georgia's primaries this week debunked fears about the state's restrictive election law. Reading from the editorial board, remember this is the same WAPO owned by Bezos that parroted the Biden Jim Crow 2.0 talking points. And how often does this happen? They lie, they lie, they lie, and then two years later on the fifth page of the of the Washington Post, they admit that they were wrong. They had it all wrong. And have to eat crow. And have to eat crow. Pun fully intended. That was pretty good, huh? (laughs) Listen to this. Tuesdays, this is from the editorial board of the Washington Post. Tuesdays, Georgia primaries attracted a notably large turnout, suggesting voters were motivated to reject the election deniers and also debunking fears about the state's new, more restrictive election law. The editorial board said on Wednesday, high turnout, record high turnout in the state of Georgia. So equaling our uh, secure elections, safe elections, accurate elections produce record turnout. Why? Because people have confidence, they have faith uh, that the elections are being conducted properly and that their vote is going to be counted and that their vote is going to be counted. So next time you 
hear the doomsday scenarios on MSNBC and CNN, uh, don't believe it. Check the facts before you buy into the lie. Well, um, I wanted to play a couple other clips regarding a few other subjects, but uh, this this uh, this one stood out to me, and this is a Tucker Carlson clip. And you know, there's a lot of lot of talking about what's wrong with the country and why do we why do we have school shootings and et cetera, et cetera, and that's being talked about uh, with so many people. And, you know, everybody, a lot of people just want to go to government. I mean, you got Congress now, you got the Democrats trying to pass bills, Republicans trying to pass bills. And by the way, this school had a school resource officer armed. It's important to note they had lockdown procedures at the school. Uh, you had law enforcement on scene before the shooter entered the school. All right, you had, you had the school resource officer. Then you had two other uh, LEOs, law enforcement officers, that arrived on scene. They were chasing the suspect uh, from his home to the school. That uh, They were wounded outside of the school trying to engage the subject, so, suspect. Uh, so law enforcement was on, on the scene before he even entered the school. All right, So this isn't a case where they showed up 30 minutes later. Uh, they were there on the scene. So a lot of these... Uh, even 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 these ideas of uh, that that conservatives promote, like law, uh, armed officers on campus, well, there was one here, all right? So there was breakdown in other areas, which we're going to find out in the coming days, such as unlocked doors, so on and so forth. And then th there's also reports that the uh, other law enforcement officers that arrived on scene within minutes of the shooting— uh, they waited about 45 minutes to an hour to breach the classroom where the shooter was holed up. And so there's a lot of details to come out here. But this uh, this clip I want to play doesn't have to do with, you know, security protocol and how many armed officers you need to have at a school, et cetera, et cetera. But it has to do with the mental and emotional state of America's youth. And you could take that and carry it on to just America's population in general. Because uh, there's a lot of people who are older, uh, middle age and older, that they have they have serious emotional and mental uh, issues and spiritual issues as well. And so let's listen to Tucker Carlson talking about digital uh, technology, entertainment, and video games and the effect they're having on our youth. Now, what kind of mindset would it take to go murder children in an elementary school? You are so disconnected from other human beings that that seems okay to you. What could be adding to the feeling of disconnection we have from one another? Well, in 2020, adults in the United States spend an average of eight hours every day on digital media, staring at a screen. The lockdowns made it worse. They're not the only cause, but they definitely exacerbated it. That's a 20% jump from 2019. One of the people who spent an awful lot of time online during the pandemic was the shooter in Uvalde. He reportedly played a lot of Call of Duty instead of going outside. The shooter in Buffalo also spent a lot of time online as well. In fact, he blamed the Internet for radicalizing him. I spent almost a year planning this attack, he wrote on April 26th. Oh, how time flies. If I could go back, maybe I'd tell myself to get the F off 4chan and the World Truth videos and get an actual life. Too late for that now. Now, that's not an argument for censoring those or any other sites. It's an argument for experiencing real life, nature, other people, animals, anything but a screen. Staring at a screen all day puts you into your own world, and in some small number of cases, it drives you insane. It makes you mentally ill and violent. That's very obvious. 
That's one of the reasons that people in Silicon Valley, the tech executives, don't let their own kids lose themselves in their stupid iPads. Well, a lot of truth there. Here's a common denominator, or here are, here are common denominators, denominators, plural. When you look at these shooters and a lot of these mass shooting incidents, here are a couple common occurrences, common predicaments that the suspect is in prior to acting or lashing out. The vast majority, if not all, of these shooters come from broken homes. Either the dad is not home, the mom is not home, or both. And and just look at the statistics on the number of fatherlessness, on, on the number of fatherless young men who turn out to be lifelong criminals. The vast, vast majority of young men who have no father, no daddy at home, no direction, no discipline, no moral shaping, they turn out to be lifelong criminals, and in rare occurrences, they turn out to be mass shooters. Uh, a couple other factors. Medications. Medications. Uh, uh, some of these shooters, many of them are on, they're doped up on these antidepressants and all these other meds that are supposed to help. These are medications that are aimed at helping people that are having mental and emotional issues, but they still lash out. And I know for sure the... Uh, the Connecticut shooter and the shooter at, uh, at the Sandy Hook were on, he was on meds. The uh, video games, video games, they are a common factor in these mass shootings. That the, the suspects, they, they're holed up in, in the basement somewhere playing video games all day long. And they're playing video games that are largely violent. I mean, the, the, the suspect in Texas, he was playing the day of, he was playing a video game. I don't know the name of it, but it's a video game where you got one, one villain, one killer, and you got four innocents. And you just run around and see how many, people, how many of the four you can kill in a set amount of time. The last thing, and this is, I could probably keep building this list out. The last thing, and this plays into the rest, is isolation. Isolation. Many of these young people are, are very isolated. Leading up to them lashing out and killing people, they're very isolated. And so, if you, if you have a people, if you have leaders and you have a population that is, is genuinely interested in solving some of our problems and mitigating some of the damage in our society, then you've got to look at the fundamentals. You've got to look at the fundamentals. And, you know, I talked about how many, 
how many armed officers you could hire with $40 billion instead of sending it to Ukraine. You could send it to states around the country and hire armed law enforcement officers, more of them, at our schools. You can have single points of entry. I mean, there's all these 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 practical, applicable things you can do, and that's that's fine to talk about that. But, but, but we cannot ignore, we must turn our attention to the breakdown of the family. Because this doesn't just affect, uh, this just doesn't lead to mass shooters. I mean, the breakdown of, of, of God's design for family is destroying our culture and our society across all aspects. And the responsibility is on you and me. It's on parents, it's on fathers, it's on mothers, it's on churches, it's on pastors. The responsibility is on us. And the responsibility goes all the way up to our nation's leaders. I mean, this responsibility here is shared. And I was watching a terrible video earlier this morning of a a, a lunatic in a subway in New York. And by the way, people are getting knocked off in the subway like every other day in New York City. Where's the wall-to-wall coverage on that? But I was watching this video of this lunatic, and he was he, he, he was bouncing off, jumping off the walls, probably doped up on some drugs. Once again, drugs. And he grabs a female by her hair and throws her to the ground. And you've got like 15 men. One of the guys was huge. Standing on this subway, riding the subway, and they didn't bat an eye to help this woman. And this 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 guy could have been taken down by one or two guys with ease. He was skinny. He was puny. He looked like he was cross-dressing. He could have been taken care of in a minute by a couple men on the subway until law enforcement got there. But what do we do? No, we can't get involved. We can't get involved. Liability. Lawyers. We can't help women getting thrown to the ground on the subway. Or we're just just weak. We're just scared. All we care about is ourself. As long as I'm good, we're good. And so we've got to fix this culture of death, this culture of weakness, this culture of not caring for other people we got to stand up for the innocent among us and defend those who can't defend themselves afa at the core we'll be back in a few minutes hello i'm sam Rohr, president of the american pastors network a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of scripture and preaching the whole counsel of god we believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for christ is our duty for too long the pulpits of america have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty join us in the battle for truth on stand in the gap weekend sunday evenings at 6 p.m on american family radio and visit us at americanpastorsnetwork.org When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow 
political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Well, after two years of COVID shutdown, Israel is open for business again. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. And you know, my wife, Allison, and I, we've been leading tour groups to Israel now for 20 plus years. And we're going to be joined by our sons, Wesley and Walker, as the family tradition continues in 2023. And we would love for you to come along with us. The trip is in March 2023. The dates, the cost, the itinerary, everything you need to know is at TWHolyLand.com. That's TWHolyLand.com. It's going to be a wonderful experience to travel with Christians from across the country to Israel and see the land where Jesus walked, where the Bible comes to life. Again, visit TWHolyLand.com for all the information. Paul writes, when one part of the body suffers, we suffer together. This is Bible League International, and the persecuted church around the world is paying a heavy price simply for following the Lord Jesus Christ. Warlocks burned down the home and shanty church that Emilio pastors in Chiapas, Mexico, near the border of Guatemala. And these male witches, they surrounded the homes of church members so they couldn't leave for two weeks. All of this because Christians oppose their pagan worship, but they lovingly share the gospel with those who persecute them. Listen, hundreds have come to Christ, and when I ask these heroes of the faith, how can we pray for you? They never say pray for an end to our suffering because they know God's working through it. What they pray for is that new believers will be able to endure and persevere under tremendous hardship. And you can do that when you can open your own Bible and be reminded of God's precious promises. So at $5 a Bible, will you pray about it and then make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD, 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 or give at sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for caring. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Well, I uh, want to introduce our uh, guest, but before I do so, I want to uh, surprise Bobby and surprise Richard, which I'm glad Richard's still around because we are going to take calls in a few minutes. Uh, we'll take calls here in a few minutes. 888-589-8840. Hey! At least I've got one fan that's willing to cheer me on. <laughs> Good stuff, Bobby. Uh, that wasn't Will of Fortune, though. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. We'll take your calls in just a few minutes. But before we do so, I want to introduce our guest from Louisiana. I want to introduce... Uh, Gene Mills, he's president of the Louisiana Family Forum. Gene, welcome to the core. It's good to be with you, man. Appreciate all the good work y'all do and shining a light throughout the United States. It makes a difference. Hey, man, I appreciate that, Jen. Uh, Gene, appreciate the, the kind words there. Well, uh, before we jump into a recent bill that was signed uh, passed the legislature there in Louisiana, uh, tell our group, our, our, our listeners, a little bit about your group there in Louisiana. Louisiana's been around, Louisiana Family Forum's been around for 25 years. We were originally founded by my good friend, Tony Perkins, and we go back three or so decades in the pro-life issue. It was largely the pro-life, pro-family issue that drove us to start 
an organization that would represent and be a voice for families, traditional families, at the state capitol. And we, we're trying to build the Louisiana where, where God is honored, families flourish, liberty reigns, and life is respected. Amen. Well, tell, tell our audience about the bill in Louisiana. What stage is it? Is it law yet? Tell them about the Save Women Sports Act. Well, we, we attempted this last year and were successful. Unfortunately, the governor saw fit to veto what is this year's Senate Bill 44, the Fairness in Women's Sports. Last year, it had a different number. Historically, and un, in an unprecedented fashion, we lobbied the lawmakers to call themselves back into session which was unprecedented. It never happened in the modern era to a seated governor. And that was one big uh, fight that we won or battle that we won. And then we overrode him in the Senate and had or came within two votes in the House. But for two lawmakers who were with us last year, one of which told me on the floor, my conscience tells me I should vote for this bill, but I'm going to be with the governor on this one. Mm -hmm. And I warned him. I said, you're going to remind him. You're going to be reminded of those words one day when you stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Mm. And that's what we're there to do is to remind people principles matter. There is a sovereign one. Nobody's getting away with anything. We don't have to be mad about it, but we got to be honest. Mm. And I was very honest with it. We brought it back this year. Senator Beth Mizell, our good friend, Senate President Pro Tem, she was with me at a Jerusalem prayer breakfast this morning with our guest speaker, Michelle Bachman and Tony Perkins. We had a couple of hundred in attendance, and we prayed for Israel, prayed for Jerusalem, and prayed for the Ukrainian refugees of Hebrew descent that want to make Aliyah and go back home. Mm. And we took up an offering so we could send them back. But this bill basically says that a biological male, regardless of what he identifies as, if if his chromosome says a a biological male and his birth certificate is clear, Mm. then he cannot compete in women's sports all the way down to the elementary level which should be a common-sense, no-nonsense bill. And it is to the lawmakers, mm-hmm. uh, except for the ones who want to play the political card. It got out of the House by a majority vote. I think the House vote was 72 to 21. Came out of the Senate 29 to 6. Clear majorities that can override a veto. They're still in session until June 6. So if he decides to veto the bill, it went to his desk on the 25th. He's got 10 days to sign it make it law, allow it to go into law without a signature, or veto it. Hmm. We can call ourselves into special session, a veto override session. And as of today, we have the votes to override that veto. Yeah, and Gene, you know, a popular talking point, because after all, uh, the, the folks who oppose this type of legislation, who disagree with our viewpoint on this issue, including last year at least, in 2021, uh, the governor of Louisiana, a popular talking point is, well, this isn't needed. This bill isn't needed. Um, it's unnecessary. Well, you know, number number one, yes, it is needed. Yes, it is necessary because we have documented cases of, of boys who are confused, uh, boys who are confused or boys who just can't win against other boys, uh, switching uh, sports and going over and running track or swimming with the girls and stealing their trophies stealing their championships, stealing their scholarships. So we have documented cases of this uh, egregiousness occurring in this country. Uh, so it is needed. Uh, but but number two, if, if, if this isn't a problem, as, as some people say, 
Well, then what's wrong with signing the bill? What's wrong with signing the bill? And they really can't come up with a good excuse. And by the way, saying something's not a problem is not a valid argument against a policy. You need to be able to articulate why a policy is not good for the country or not good for the state uh, instead of just making blanket statements that are not backed up by fact. Well, Gene, so you got until June 6th for the governor to to sign it. Is there any indication that the governor is going to sign the bill? You know, he's going very quiet on that question. I think he's in a catch-22. He would like to carry the the national news media and agenda uh, of the, that the Democrats have told him he must as a deep state Southern Democrat, one of the few that serves in a deeply red state. And he's done it under a pro-life imprimatur because he's voted with us on many pro-life measures. Uh, the Biden administration, as I understand it, is trying to punish schools with a policy that says if you don't allow these young boys to compete against girls, mm-hmm. we're going to withhold school food monies. So there's a lot of politics at play. The NCAA has its own sexual politics, and our universities compete in the NCAA. So we really don't know. There's pressure being brought. They're being told it could cost the state a great deal of money. You know, in the week, we used to tell Ole Miss where they could go, and they'd love to chant it at the LSU football games. We'll tell the NCAA where they can go if they try to come in and force this on us. We don't, we don't want their money if it requires our daughters, our nieces, our granddaughters, our sisters to be put in harm's way. And look, on the guys, on the people who suffer with gender dysphoria, we used to treat that as a medical condition. Yes. It's still diagnosed and considered a medical condition, condition worthy of treatment. We used to call it a disorder. Now we call it a dysphoria. Now they call it a special right or privilege hmm. or a distinction that sets you apart and guards you against any form of discrimination. That would be the worst possible thing you could do. I know that their rates of suicide, depression, harm, and their ability to harm themselves and others requires and warrants compassion and a appropriate medical response, not a sexually political response. Hmm. Hey, Gene uh, Mills, president of Louisiana Family Forum, thank you for coming on the show, and we'll uh, encourage our audience in Louisiana uh, to call the governor and ask him to sign this bill. Thanks, Gene, for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you all. Keep up the good work. All right. Appreciate it. Hey, if, if you want to, if you live in Louisiana, uh, you can call the governor. You just need to uh, look up the governor's uh, uh, switchboard number um, and call the governor's office and urge them to sign, urge the governor to sign the Save Women Sports Act bill. Urge them or urge the governor to sign this piece of legislation to save women's sports. And to Gene's point, you know, fostering, fostering sin Permitting sin, promoting sin, is cruel and mean. Our society today wants to tell us that that coddling sin, that fostering sin and confusion and deviancy is loving, it's open-hearted, it's equality, it's mean, it's evil, and it's cruel. Fostering sin is is cruel, it's mean, and it hurts the person who's committing the sin. So let's not buy into this lie that doing more bad, promoting more bad, is somehow going to work out good for the people involved. 888-589-8840 is the number to call in to the core. Take your questions, take your comments on the subjects we've discussed on the show today. 888-589-8840, 888 
589-8840 is the number to call in to the core. Uh, we're going to go to Jeanette in Louisiana. Jeanette, welcome to the core. Hi, Wesley. It's nice talking to you. I'm, I, uh, I'm Walker, the meeting. But I oh, do, but I do know a Wesley. Oh, Walker West, Walker <laughs> West. Okay. My brother's Wesley, um, so I you're enjoy, not you're not far off. Oh, okay. I enjoyed the meeting of the night, the uh, the phone call, mm-hmm. and that was nice for to include the listeners and to let them know what's going on. And I want to say about the school, the schools they need to put up metal detectors and they should have cameras in the office to see when people are entering anywhere around that the whole school and and that would you know that would have uh security where they could see on camera people that's coming in and when they enter with a metal detector and also in november last year on your on this program it was where uh bill gates was at a meeting and he said that the population was over, uh, the United States was overpopulated. And the way to get rid of uh, some of the people was with vaccines and shots. Mm-hmm. And I've been, I've been wanting to talk about this since last year. And with those shots, they were talking about vaccines and people uh, dying from it. So can you talk to Tim, Tim about that so people can know what Bill Gates said? Mm-hmm. about getting rid of people with the vaccine, with vaccines and shots. Yeah, Jeanette, I'll absolutely comment on that, and I'll let, I'll, I'll let you go put you on hold for now. But uh, Jeanette's talking about last year I talked, and late last year I talked, and I actually played a clip of Bill Gates, uh, where he was doing a TED Talk about world population and climate control, et cetera, et cetera. And then he got on the topic of vaccines or shots, and he said that there's – he said there's a couple ways to control the population or to reduce the population. And one of the ways he said, he said is through vaccines. That's his word. He said one of the ways to control the population, to reduce the population, is by uh, administering vaccines. So vaccines, which was baffling to hear that, and this TED Talk goes back years. This is like a 2012 or 2015 TED Talk. Well, uh, that, that was baffling to hear because vaccines are supposed to save life not take life. Vaccines are supposed to foster life, save life, prevent severe illness, prevent disease, et cetera, et cetera, not reduce populations. Like how can you reduce? That's like saying we're going to reduce population by improving our health care. Wait, what? Improving health care should increase the population. Less people die, more people's health is improved, longer lifespan, so on and so forth. So that, that uh, Bill Gates did say that we played the clip here on the show. It wasn't taken out of context. It wasn't cut up and selectively edited. He said that. He was questioned on it, and he really had no plausible explanation. He, he, he acted confused at why people you know, thought he said and or meant this or meant that. Well, that's his words. And so if he didn't mean that, then he needs to come out and clarify or restate what he meant. Uh, let's go to Jim in Texas. Hey, Jim, welcome to the court. Yes, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, just a comment on the school shooting. Disgrace Book and the other organizations like it are responsible. Hmm. If they would play or an- analyze the algorithms of these people's um, accounts, 
they would see this stuff well in advance. Mm. Good point, Jim. Good point. And, uh, you know, responsibility can be shared across many avenues, and I mentioned that. But to Jim's point, uh, this guy was ranting and raving on Facebook about killing people. And that that's just a very detailed example. Now, it was it was within 15 to 30 minutes before the shooting, so could, could Facebook, as this behemoth of a company, respond quickly enough, notify authorities, so on and so forth? I mean, let's remember, law enforcement was on scene as this was happening. All right, so law enforcement was in pursuit of this guy, but the the larger the larger topic that I think does need to be discussed, and Tucker Carlson commented on this, is the effect of social media on our hearts and our minds. And and the, and the, the, the companies they've done the research; they know big tech; they know some of the damaging uh, uh, effects of their technology on youth. And on humans. And that's why Tucker Carlson said some of these tech executives, they don't even let their kids have an iPad because they know how bad it is, how damaging it can be to some of their development. So so the damage of social media on one's mind and one's uh, mental state has been studied, and there is evidence to there that it is not good. Uh, Rocky in Texas. Hey, Rocky in Texas, you got about 15 seconds. What's on your mind? Yes, sir, Walker. Thank you for taking my call. The statement I wanted to make was about the girl being manhandled in the subway. No doubt about it, somebody should have dived, dove in there and took care of this fella. But I will say this, the first step needs to be the judicial system needs to be squared away so that perpetrators of evil are held accountable and not somebody trying to defend somebody else. Because I've been in that situation myself and I'm the one that got in trouble mm. because I jumped in to help. Hey, so you got a good judicial system needs some help. Yes, good point, Rocky. Our judicial system needs to be set up to punish the lawbreaker and not the hero that steps in to save the day. See you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.